Oh my gosh, so the names. I told you last time I looked up, like, listened to her talk about characters so that I would know uh-huh. in my head how to pronounce names. I know that R-H-Y-S, when it's shortened, becomes Reese. Like, I know that that's how she pronounces it. I got mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. for some reason, the full form of his name, I keep saying Rysand in my I head. I see that too. And but I'm it's like, not right. that's not right. <laughs> and so every time, and honestly, once he became a bigger part of the story in the last like third, it took me forever to get through that part because I kept each time it said his name, I would go back and be like, Rysand, no, Rysand. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds weird when you say recent. Like it doesn't look like it that's does. how it should be pronounced. I don't know. I don't like it. I'm gonna continue to say Rysand. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone, and welcome to the same page. If you don't already know me, I'm your host, Jenna Clausen, lover of books, sympathizer of book-to-movie adaptations, and owner of an embarrassingly long TBR list. Each month, I'll be bringing on a bookish friend or two to discuss some of our current and favorite books, as well as a few recent binge-watches, and to share in a buddy read. Grab a drink, join the discussion, and let's find out if we're on the same page. Trigger warnings for the book that we'll be discussing in today's episode include murder, wrongful death, description of torture, hunting-related death, and other tense scenes. So please keep that in mind as you read the book and listen to the episode. My guest today is my friend Sabrina, although if you're on Bookstagram, you may know her better as Traveling the Pages. In addition to her almost two years and 5,000 followers there, Sabrina is also the queen of Instagram book clubs. She helps out with Thrillers by the Book Club, which, as the name implies, discusses thrillers each month, as well as hosting and running the Literally Shelved Book Club, which each month leads discussions on books from nearly a dozen genres. You can find all of her social media information, as well as where to follow her, down in the show notes. And with that, let's jump on into the episode. Your face, Hello. you look so excited. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. You, you must not have had such a terrible time last time because you came back. You made me come back. <laughs> you make me sound so mean. I promise y'all, I am not as mean as she makes me sound. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I mean, like, it wouldn't make any sense for me to come on one show, but then not the consecutive one because... But you could have, like, run away if you felt like you needed to, and you didn't, is what I'm saying. So thank you for not running away. You're my friend. (laughs) Well, good. Even though now I feel bad. Because apparently (laughs) I forced my friends into situations. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh... Anyway, so yes, welcome back everyone. We obviously, as you can see or hear, uh, we have Sabrina back again today. We are doing our book discussion for A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Maas. Very excited about that. But before I go into the publication info and read the back cover again, I'm going to make you start us off partially because I usually make the guests do it and they didn't last time, and partially because my throat is freaking out. 
Uh, do you want to start off with what you're drinking? Oh, I'm drinking a Gatorade because I am boring. <laughs> you're not boring. It's very tasty. It's very tasty. It is. Yeah. What uh, flavor is it? Fruit Punch. Oh, nice. That's is that the regular red one? I think so. I think so. I don't know. I didn't get it. My husband got it for me as my weekly treat. I love that. I haven't had a Gatorade in so long. But I have a glass of wine. And here's why. I usually... <laughs> so, I didn't always do this with Dana, but I have so far with other guests. I don't usually do an alcoholic beverage if the other person isn't. Just so that I'm not like, I'm over here getting drunk. Like, whatever. But this book <laughs> was so... Like, there were some steamy moments... And then by the time I finished it, I was an emotional wreck. And so I did. I texted Sabrina yesterday and I was like, also just FYI, I'm going to have a glass of wine because I need it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here we are. I have a very big glass. These are actually, these are my favorite glasses. I don't know if you'll be able to see it, but it's Grape What's Creek. A Grape Creek. What's that? Yeah. It's uh, one of our favorite wineries. It's in Austin. Um, you guys are fancy with your little wine vineyard yeah. things. We were talking the other day about that. What is that cult? The cult. The exercise cult. Uh, oh, Peloton. yes. Peloton. The Peloton cult. Oh, yeah. I keep saying, like, I'm going to do that because I used to do cycling classes every week. And, like, that was the last time I was that skinny and in shape. And I was like, yes, I should do this. And then I keep not partially because it's expensive, but also partially I, my least favorite thing about those cycling classes and a lot of workout classes in general is the feeling that someone is just yelling at you. Like, I want someone there to tell me if I'm doing something wrong, but the like, yeah, do better, go faster, like people yelling is too much for me. So I haven't, I haven't bitten the bullet. Because I don't from, think I would enjoy it. From the many, many messages I received <laughs> once I posted about Peloton cult, they said that they're really encouraging all the instructors and stuff. And they actually, really? like, give you feedback and you get to see something called a leaderboard and watch yourself move up and yeah. all those things. And it's really nice and fun. But I've never done a class, so I, I don't know. <laughs> Fair. You could try the app, the Peloton app. Apparently there's like Peloton with the bike and like the membership, right? Mm -hmm. And then they have another thing for the app where you can have access to all those classes still. And they have a whole bunch. They have like bar, they have hit, they have yoga, they have strength, they have core, they have biking, they have running, they have walking, they have other things. <laughs> That's what I've seen. I don't know the pictures you all I was That's impressed with how many you were listing <laughs> off there for a second. I was like, damn girl, you go. You go with your list. all those. So. <laughs> this episode is not sponsored by Peloton. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> but if they wanted to sponsor me and send me a bike and help me lose like two or three dress sizes, I would not be upset about it. Let's talk about a book, shall we? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I went through the whole spiel last week, but I will just quickly go through it again. We read and are discussing... What is this dance? 
Hi. <laughs> Um, we read and are discussing A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mass. Looks like this. It is beautiful. Uh, if you are not watching on the YouTubes and you're just listening, the paperback copy that I have is this really pretty, like, orangey red with a decorative wolf, uh, kind of illustration in the background of the cover. Very pretty. Oh, yes, you have the beautiful one. So these are the original covers, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it is red with the main character just looking so badass and beautiful on the front. I love it. I love those covers. I still think they're prettier, but I stand by my choice of buying these ones. Um, <laughs> publisher is Bloomsbury. The number of pages, at least for my copy, is 416 pages. And then original copyright year for this first book in the series is 2015. And then this cover that I have is a re-released paperback, which was uh, published this last year, 2020. And I guess I will read the back cover. So just sit back and enjoy your Gatorade for a second. <clears throat> You're like, thanks, I will. Uh, back cover says, When 19-year-old Huntress Feyre kills a wolf in the woods, a terrifying creature arrives to demand retribution. Dragged to a treacherous, magical land she knows, only of, she knows about only from legends. Lost my place there. Uh, Feyre discovers that her captor is not truly a beast, but one of the lethal, immortal fairies who once ruled her world. At least, he's not a beast all the time. As she adapts to her new home, her feelings for the fairy Tamlin transform from icy hostility into a fiery passion that burns through every lie she's been told about the beautiful, dangerous world of the Fae. But something is not right in the fairylands. An ancient, wicked shadow is growing, and Pharaoh must find a way to stop it or doom Tamlin and his world forever. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Sorry, they're barking. Oh, it's cool. I heard a pet noise, and honestly, I assumed it was one of mine. Nope, it's Luna. <laughs> oh, that's such a cute name. I don't think I knew that your friend's name Luna, come here. Should we introduce you to the, to the <gasps> world? Yes, please. Come here. Don't pee on me, okay? Hello, cute friend. Look at her. Oh my Look gosh. Look at that face. She's like, I do not know about this. <laughs> Look. Look. Hi. Oh yeah. my gosh. How cute. She's little. She's Maisel like five, is finally uh, laying down and being good, so I'm not going to bring her up, but... They look like they would be friends. <laughs> she just wants to chill. I'm gonna put you down now. She's like, no, cuddles. <laughs> you ready? Ready? Bye. I love that. What a little cutie. She can be cute sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, that's the case with, I was gonna say all pets, but really all children of any kind. Fur babies, human babies. <laughs> they're, they're cute most of the time. You know? I don't know. I think you I feel like I have enough nieces and nephews that I can, I can say that. 
So let's start off. Uh, well, I will just do a quick recap of what we talked about last time of why this book was chosen. Kind of a Sparknotes shorter version. Basically, I have been needing to pick up this book and read it for forever. And I finally, in about October, was like, okay, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to read this book, and I'm going to talk about it on the podcast, and that is going to be, like, my excuse for finally reading it. And my friend Sabrina here was one of the main people talking to me about how badly I needed to read it. And so I, as you heard in the beginning, apparently forced her against her will uh, into coming on the podcast and discussing it with me. And so here we are. Hello. Hello. <laughs> nice to see you. You've already been on for a while. We're just, we're recapping some of the things from last week. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you were one of the main people telling me I needed to read this book. Mm -hmm. Why was that? Was it just because you loved it so much? Or was there... Was it just because it was so highly hyped? Like, why Both. Why is it that you just spread the gospel of this book? Both. Because everyone was reading it, and it's really good. <laughs> and it's really good. Yeah, it's always a little bit scary picking up a book that has been so highly hyped on the bookish side of the internet, whether that's Goodreads, Amazon, Book of the Month, Instagram, whatever. It's always a little bit scary to pick it up and read it because I feel like it's so easy for all of that hype to build expectation in your mind and have it not meet that expectation. I have a hard time reading reviews because of that because like someone will say, yeah. oh my god, it was the greatest thing in the world. And I'm just like, but was it? And then there's <laughs> always a one-star review saying like, this is not what I thought it was. Like the range is wild. And I feel like it's because, like, people read how hyped a book is, and they're like, oh my god, it's gonna be the greatest thing. And then they yeah. read about it, and I was like, oh, well, that was, like, okay. So I feel like when you read a super hyped book, you have to adjust your expectation, otherwise you're gonna be disappointed. Absolutely. And so that was honestly part of why it took me a while to read this one. You know, I, I mentioned last time, scrolling through my feed on Instagram, uh, specifically my, my bookstagram feed, so all of the people that I follow post about books. It's not, I'm not going to scroll through and see too many non-book posts. Um, but I couldn't scroll through and get through maybe five or six posts without seeing something about this series. And I don't read very much fantasy anyway. Like, it's just not a big genre for me. And so I was very concerned that this was not going to live up to the hype for me. But I finally read it and it did, so it's fine. <laughs> so, <Yay>. let's see. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Do we want to jump right in and start with uh, favorite characters, scenes, quotes, anything like that? Or do you have any just general what you like about it as far as the story or anything like that that you want to touch on before we start going into more specifics? Well, I mean, I read it almost a year ago. Yeah. So I had to, like, skim <laughs> to see what I remembered. So we can do whatever you'd like to do. doesn't matter to me. Okay. 
And something to keep in mind as well, partially for you, but partially for anybody listening, is you've read all of the books that are already published for this series. So the fourth full book uh, is coming out next month. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't know everything, but she does know what happens in the next two and a half books. So we are going to, I'm going to do my best to rein her in for just talking about this first one. Partially because I haven't read it, but partially just avoiding spoilers for other books in the series. But just something for everyone to keep in mind as well. <laughs> Good. Because I, when I was looking through it, I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure this happened in the first book. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, it sure did. Book. <laughs> that was me rereading the Harry Potter series. I was like, oh, I thought this happened so much earlier than it did. <laughs> It's always, it's always good to have those reminders. Honestly, that's part yeah. of why I love rereading books that I enjoy. Because it's like sometimes you still get surprised. Like, you're like, oh, I thought it happened here. But then it's like, it happens over here. Or this happens sooner or whatever. Right. Or like my very favorite book, I am not as good about it anymore. Just because I have so many other things that I'm reading. But I try to read it once a year during the summer. And every time I read it, I still get something new out of it. I just... Books are, books are magical, man. Mm -hmm. They're so good. So do you have a favorite character that you want to talk about? Probably... Feyre. Right? That's how you pronounce it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Feyre. Mm -hmm. I like her. Why? Why is she? Is it just because she's the protagonist, or...? No, just because he's cool. <laughs> when she's the really cool. Like, she, she's, she's kind of a badass. Yeah. And I mean, like, she doesn't seem... Like, you know how, like, sometimes when you read a book and, like, the character is just so, like, whiny, but they're supposed to be the main character and they're supposed to be so awesome or whatever? She's not like that, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. I had her written down as my main favorite character as well. I did have a, like, honorable mention character written down, which I'll go into in a minute. Um, and I do want to say as well, we are going to talk a bit about the ending just because it's kind of hard to talk about the book without doing that, but we will try and leave any major spoilers until closer to the end of the episode. Um, so we hear about her on the back cover and Feyre is this 19 year old, I want to say, I think uh, so. who her family used to be very, very wealthy, and then fell from grace hard. Uh, and she's now a huntress and hunts to provide for her family. And, and good at it. She's good at it, and too. she's good at it. And I really like characters who, maybe not their main skill, but something that they show a real proficiency for is something that they learned out of necessity. You know, she's also a painter, which I love the scenes when it talks about her paintings and uh, when she's describing her process during painting. But something about a character who gets put into kind of a shitty situation and is able to keep a fairly level head and say, okay, this is what I need to do to be able to move forward and this is what I have to learn to do and then is able to teach themselves how to do that. I just, I always think that's really cool 
in a character. And then my, like, secondary favorite character, like I said, I did write down a little honorable mention. As much as I love Tamlin, who, again, is the fairy slash beast man uh, who's very magical and very charming, um, who kind of takes her away to live with him. As much as I love him, I actually wrote down Lucien. Lucien. I kept reading it Lucien in my head, and I'm like, you're making this more complicated than it actually is. But that's just where my brain was throughout the whole story, reading his name for some reason. Um, but Lucien is Tamlin's best friend and a member of Tamlin's court. So he's also a fairy. And he's just really feisty. Like, at first he seems kind of like a jerk, like kind of a mean person. But then once you... Once Feyre and then thus the reader kind of gets to know him, their friendship is just really good for me. And I just really enjoyed the scenes of them being friends and like doing stuff together. So I really liked him a lot too. Do you have no thoughts? Is this episode going to be me talking to myself mostly? I do, but I don't like... I like I like, like him and I don't like him and I don't like him because I can't tell you because of the other books. But when I first read the book, I did like him. He seemed okay. And like okay. on her side and her friend. But then you read into the next books and then it's just kind of like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you need to just but then like... he like gets better. You yeah, just need to, like, wipe your mind of of the other books. Like, I'm they trying. They don't exist right now. <laughs> I'm um. trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Okay. Well, anyway, at this point, I like him a lot. Watch me get three books in and be like, I hate him. And then go back and listen to this episode. Be like, you're stupid. Why are you saying this? <laughs> 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 you might you might be like why why did I say I like him but I mean you might like him I mean like he's like fine at the end of the series well not That's my favorite fair. but you know better than before I mean I like a complicated character and I think it's possible to like a character and like how a character is written without agreeing with all of their choices mm -hmm. um which honestly I think makes books and characters and writing styles more interesting anyway. So who knows? I, I may still I may still have a thing for him by the end. We'll see. I'll let you know. I'll keep you updated. <laughs> and do you have a favorite scene from this one? I know you only like skimmed it. I know you didn't do a full reread, but um it's like near the end of the book when she's like fighting through those trials. I like that whole area. Yeah. I had that kind of written down as a secondary one as well, so we'll definitely talk about that when we go a little bit more into the ending. Because I thought mm -hmm. that whole part, and I mean, that's basically the last, like, quarter of the book. So it, it's a lot. It's not a chapter. I mean, but like, I, I liked some scenes, too. but like I said, when I started reading, I was like, nope, don't like that scene anymore. <laughs> fair um <laughs> sorry my brain just like 
it had a thought and then very suddenly it didn't have a thought anymore. Yeah, that's definitely fair going back. And I mean, again, series, that's part of why they're fun to reread is once you know the end of the story, everything changes. It's kind of like um, watching, not really a scary movie, but like suspenseful or like murder mystery or something. And then going back and rewatching it once you know the ending and you know who done it and trying to mm -hmm. see the clues that were laid. I feel like that's kind of the experience that I've always had rereading series as well. So I really want to reread this one, but I just haven't had the time to. Yeah. I'm hoping but to try and read the second one before next month. We'll see. I have lots of reading I have to do. But I, I really, I'm mad that I have so many other things I need to be reading now because now I just, I want to want to keep reading. And Nick was like, well, now you just have to see if you can read the other three before the next one comes out next month. And I'm like, I don't think I can read all of them by then and still meet any of my other criteria. <laughs> I still have to read Jane Eyre this month. <laughs> There's a lot. Uh, so my favorite scene is... I want to say pretty close to like the one third mark. It was, I wrote down chapter 18. Uh, and basically once Feyre goes to live with Tamlin and Lucien in the spring court, uh, once she and Tamlin are kind of sidling up next to each other and getting more friendly, um, they start going on these adventures and he starts showing her all of these beautiful places that she can later try to paint and you know all of these things and in chapter 18 he takes her to this beautiful glen that has a pool that she describes as being silver and made of starlight which I just thought was so beautiful and I just wanted to be there and I mean, that's about it. I didn't write down much about the scene itself, uh, as far as they have this conversation and it's, it really moved me or anything like that, but they just, they go for a swim, the two of them, in this pool of silvery starlight. And I just thought it seemed like a really beautiful place. And I just, I would like to be there very badly. I mean, I'd want to be there too. I mean, every time I read a fantasy book, I feel like I like them so much because they're such different, like, worlds, you know? And mm -hmm. obviously it's not normal. So I think that's why I like reading fantasies. And this one, like, the world that she created for this series is really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The world building is phenomenal. And, yeah, like you said, the world itself just seems like like a really cool place. I wouldn't want to go and visit every court, but Spring Court sounds like exactly where I want to spend my entire life. I want to visit the Night Court, and when you read more, you'll know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does seem like a really cool place already, just from the little bits that we get of it in this story before she doesn't see any more of it, and I will, again, when we go into the ending, that'll be a bit more of a spoiler, but the little bit that she sees, it seems really interesting. Like, it seems mm -hmm. like a very different kind of place. Mm -hmm. and, th and that's kind of part of it, too. The spring court is basically 
it seems like our world just, it's spring all the time. And there's small magical, like, bubbles like this pool and places that are very obviously magical. But for the most part, it seems like your favorite place on Earth, but it's just spring all the time and the flowers are always blooming and there's always birds chirping in the trees and it just... Spring. I would kind of want to go see Autumn Court, just because I like fall. I was going to say, spring and autumn are <laughs> by far my favorite. Uh, and so, other than Lucian's family that I would like to avoid at all costs, I would love to see more of the Autumn Court in the future stories. I can't remember if... I don't think they talk about that court a lot. But again, we'll know why later. <laughs> yeah, he describes it a little bit in this book when he's telling her about his past and like where he's from, mm -hmm. but not much. One thing that I really loved and I didn't write down, but really close to the end, basically, uh, Feyre is in a place where she is surrounded by the high lords of all of these courts, and... She's describing how she knows where each of them is from by how they smell. And so, like, she knows that Tamlin smells like, uh, I didn't write it down, but, like, he smells like fresh dew and he smells like spring. And so she knows that it's Tamlin because he's from the spring court. And uh, she knows the High Lord of Autumn because he smells like fresh fallen leaves or something like that. And it just... I loved that. I, I should have written it down, but it was very good. I didn't know that you could have a smell with leaves. Is that weird? When yeah, I don't know. I, when they fall? I mean, they do, at least in Washington, in all of the years that I lived there, they always did. A little bit depressing, kind of like books. I'm pretty sure the smell of the falling <laughs> leaves is them decaying, you know? And so, like, the smell of the book is the smell of the paper getting old and starting to decay a little bit, um, which is depressing because it's my favorite smell ever, but I'm I pretty sure- I have a very good sense of smell then. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's the same thing with leaves. Like once they fall and they're wet and they're on the ground and they're just gorgeous, like creating the pathways, I'm, I'm pretty sure the smell is them decaying. <laughs> <laughs> you like the smell of decaying leaves. It that's sounds good. very depressing, but I mean that's kind of what fall is, honestly. Is yeah, I mean, I mean, old season dying so that we can get a new season. Yeah. Oh well. I don't know. Like I said, sounds kind of depressing. I don't mean to be, but it, it is what it is. I think. Um, and then I know you didn't write down any specific quotes. Again, you didn't do a full reread, but were there any? Uh, stories that were told or any conversations that you remember standing out to you? You know that scene where um, it's that one festival with like firelight and like yeah, fire this dude night. all dressed in black? Yeah. I like that one. I don't really remember everything about it, but that was one of the scenes I liked. Sure. Yeah, they're, um, that's again a about a quarter to a third of the way through the story. Oh. And well. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the Fire Night Festival. I'm not going to go too much into that because it's kind of weird and kind of hard to explain without going all into it. 
But it, it was a really cool scene. Yeah. Um, so, quotes. I wrote down, like, one kind of big-ish one and one not very big one. They're both from fairly early in the book, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It looks like one of them's from, like, two-thirds of the way through, so that, that's a little bit better. Um, and neither of them really have to do with the story, but I just thought that they were very pretty. Uh, so this first one is from Chapter 7, and like I said, uh, Feyre is an artist. She's a painter, and so at one point she is kind of wandering this castle that she's now living in, and she's looking at all of the paintings on the walls. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And she's looking at one that's just a still life of flowers. And she says, Just a vase of flowers against a dark background. But more than that, the flowers seem to be vibrant with their own light, as if in defiance of the shadows gathered around them. Which I just thought was really pretty, like a really nice way to describe that. I don't know, I liked the idea of the light within something being in defiance of the shadows. I just thought that was really It does sound really pretty. I do like that. Right? And I feel like it's kind of... I mean, you can... Again, this might sound depressing, but you can think about people who are, like, really bright and positive people, even though they might have a really hard life. Like, that's kind of what that made me think of, was the lightness inside of someone being in defiance of the shadows mm-hmm. all around them. So I just, I really, I liked that one. Again, nothing to do with the story. It's just setting the scene of the castle and of her love of painting, but I, wow, yeah. I thought it was beautiful. Um, and then the other one that I wrote down is only a sentence, and again, nothing to do with the story, not an important quote in the slightest, but... Basically, there's all these different kinds of fairies, and some of them are nicer than others. Uh, But along with the other types of fairies, there are other types of uh, creatures and beings in the courts as well. And throughout the story, some of them are kind of finding their way into the spring court and kind of causing some issues for Feyre and Tamlin. Mm -hmm. And one of them... I read it as Puka, P-U-C-A. Uh, I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> In my head, I pronounced it like the dog from Anastasia. Puka? I don't know. Um, it is how you pronounce it. Oh, yeah. There's a pronunciation guide in the end of my book that I never noticed before. What? That is delightful. Just, like, <laughs> take a picture of that and text it to me, because I don't think okay. my book has that. Either that or I just It's, like, right after... The acknowledgement acknowledgement pages. It's kind of yeah. Wow, heckin' rude. Yeah, that. <laughs> that's really cool. Um, but basically, one of the beings that finds its way into the court and kind of causes some mischief is the puka, and it is a shape shifting fairy or being I actually I don't remember if this one is a fairy or if it's just another thing uh but it presents itself to Feyre as her dad and so she's like oh my gosh my dad is here he's trying to save me and take me away and take me back home and all of that and 
So it is a shapeshifter. And I want to say it's Tamlin. It's possible it's Lucian, but I want to say it's Tamlin is mm -hmm. explaining some of these creatures to her. And they just describe it by saying, the puka belongs to the wind and weather and everything that changes. And that was just another thing that I thought was really cool where it's like, well, of course, that makes sense because all of the courts and all of the lands are based off of, uh, not necessarily weather, but are based off of nature. And so for something mm -hmm. that can change what it looks like for it to kind of be born of all of the forces of nature that change and are constantly changing. I just thought that was really cool. Again, that's just another really cool piece of, uh, like, story building, I thought. I think he does a really good job of, like, building the stories. Yeah. Yeah. Just because, like, agree. you get so invested in the way she explains things and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. But I've only read this series in Crescent City by her, and that's it. So. I know, you were reading that one last week. Brief pause. How was it? It was, was really it so good. good. Yeah. Yes. It takes a while to get into because she builds the world a lot in, like, the first two, three hundred pages, but by, like, the 200 or 250-ish, I started getting really invested in the book, and that was sure. really good. I love that. That is, like, even before I read this one, after this series on the list, that was the next one by her that was like, okay, eventually I need to read this one. I um, want to read Throne of Glass next. Yeah, I've heard that, that one's really done. good. I, as far as, like, order of, okay, I need to read this now, it was Akatar, um, Crescent City, and then Th Throne of Glass. I keep wanting to say Thorn of Glass because Throne <laughs> of Roses. I don't know, man. And actually, one other thing that I want to talk about with quotes, and this might not be quite the right time to talk about it because it does kind of lead into the spoiler discussion, but at the end of the story, basically Feyre finds herself in this position where she's having to try and uh, prove herself, and she's having to try and solve a riddle. And I made note of the riddle that I wanted to talk about it. So first of all, when you were first reading it, did you know the like answer to the riddle before Feyre did? I'd have to look at the riddle again to know. Okay, I'll read it. I have a I have a okay. riddle down here. Uh, let's see, page three thirteen. Here it is. Okay, so the riddle is. There are those who seek me a lifetime, but we never meet, and those I kiss, but who trample me beneath their ungrateful feet. At times I seem to favor the clever and the fair, but I bless all those who are brave enough to dare. By large, my ministrations are soft-handed and sweet, but scorned I become a difficult beast to defeat. Uh, for though each of my strikes lands a powerful blow, when I kill, I do it slow. No. So, here's the thing, and I was telling Nick, I am very bad with riddles. Like, very bad. I 
would be useless if I was in Feyre's situation here having to solve a riddle. <laughs> but for some reason, as soon as I read this, I was like, oh, well, this is the answer, I think. But I must be wrong. That can't be the answer because it's like 10 more chapters or something before Feyre recognizes what the answer is. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't getting it. And I was like, okay, that seems really obvious to me. And I'm really bad at riddles, so I must be wrong. Like, if she doesn't know what the answer is, then it must be something else. Like, I'm not being clever enough to know what this is. And then ten chapters later, it turned out that that was... That I was right, and that the, the answer was what I thought it was. That's good! And I was just kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> so I was, I was just very confused, and I wasn't... Um, quite sure if maybe it was just that like as a form of storytelling that the author wanted the audience to know what the answer was and be like Feyre you need to just say this and everything's solved or if it was just that for some reason my brain got that one and never gets any other ones so I was curious if you had had that same feeling when you read it I also don't really remember what the answer to the riddle was. <laughs> um, so I might have, but I don't think I got it when I read it the first time, but I don't remember. So, spoiler for people who <laughs> haven't read it, uh, the answer is love. And it's like, I people are always looking for me, but sometimes they can't find me. Uh, but I'm always there for people who are brave enough to look for me. But... You know, if I start turning sour, then it's really hard for to kill me and all of these things. Oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Nope, I didn't get that. <laughs> and especially, like, the situation that we'll talk about later that she's in where she's having to try and solve this riddle is basically proving her love of Tamlin and, like, proving that she loves him. And so, I don't know. I, I wasn't sure if it was a purposefully really, like, on-the-nose and easy uh, riddle, or if it was just because I was already in that mindset, I, I got there really quickly. But yeah, that was interesting. I was just curious. <laughs> no. I don't like riddles. <laughs> I don't either. I, I always, jokingly but not really, I always tell Nick that I'm not quite smart enough for riddles. Riddles uh, are hard! Vertels are hard. I just, my brain doesn't work that way most of the mm -hmm. time. I don't know. Anyway, so I think I touched on all of my things that aren't spoiler heavy or like book club type questions. So let's talk about a couple of those questions that don't deal with the ending quite yet. So one thing that I thought was really interesting, and when I start reading a new physical book. I'll like pick one of my bookmarks that I'm going to have with reading that book. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm reading fantasy and I basically never do that. So I should use this one. Um, and for anyone who can't see, it's a little illustration of Belle from Beauty and the Beast and it has a quote from the song. And I was like, perfect. This seems like a book that she'd read. And it ended up being really funny to me that I had randomly picked this one because reading it, there is a lot of similarity that you can draw between Beauty and the Beast and the book. Mm -hmm. 
you know, uh, like the back cover says, she basically, to pay a debt, she gets whisked off to live in this castle with this person who presents as a big, hairy, clawed, and horned beast when she first meets him. Um, and is taken off to this room and has dinner with him every night. <laughs> and um, at one point she, like, picks a rose out of a flower garden, which in the original Beauty and the Beast, that's the price, or that's the uh, debt that she is paying, is that her father had picked a flower from the garden. And it, a little bit later, because she's an artist and she tells him she would like to be able to paint while she's there, he there's this very Beauty and the Beast moment where he like takes her to this art gallery and she spins around it's beautiful i've never seen so many paintings in my whole life like that exact <laughs> moment basically um and so i just i thought that was really interesting because that's one of my favorite stories um and so that kind of led me to very hard question probably not because you're a reader like me but would you rather if you were in this crappy situation you're living with someone you don't know big furry person <laughs> would you rather be given the beast's library or tamlin's art gallery library yeah i mean hands down <laughs> i spent my entire childhood dreaming about this library but i just i thought it was uh like i said really fun really interesting i did not know going in that there was so much pulled from the story of Beauty and the Beast. Uh, now that you, like, compared the two, I can totally see how they're similar. Yeah. It was just, it was really fun for me. So, yeah, I accidentally picked a perfect bookmark. And let's see. So, the big one I want to talk about after we talk about spoilers, but the last, like, small one here is... There was a quote, and again, I didn't write down where this was. I want to say it was pretty early on in the book, but Feyre's talking about how promises are everything, and she's mm -hmm. basically saying a promise is law, a promise is your bond, you know, all of these things. And that's a really big part of not only her story, but her as a character is promises. Um... When her mom died, she made a promise on her mother's deathbed to take care of her dad and her older sisters. And that's why, like we were talking about in the beginning, she learns to hunt and she learns to take care of them. Um, and then she makes some smaller promises that you could kind of, kind of include in that as well. But obviously the one to her mom is the big one. Mm -hmm. um, and so what do you think about the big promise, but also just promises in general, like a promise as an act or as a contract, being her driving force as a character. I don't understand your question. Like, um, that's kind of the core of her character in this mm -hmm. book, is that she is loyal because she's keeping promises. Do you think that that makes her a strong character? Do you think that that, um, 
is maybe an excuse for something else? Like, what do you think of that being one of the main things of her as a character? I feel like it makes her a stronger character just because, like, she has a driving force. Like, if she makes a promise, then she's going to keep and fulfill her promise until she no longer can, you know? Sure. Whereas, like, if she... And plus, I think that makes her, like, a likable character to try and keep all her promises. Because if she, like, made a promise and, like, didn't care, or, like, didn't follow through, I feel like it would make her unlikable. Yeah. That's what I had thought as well. Um, obviously, we said in the beginning she is a hunter and she's very good at it. And on the back cover, it tells you that she kills this wolf. Really early on in the story, you find out that that wolf was a fairy and was a member of Tamlin's court. And so as I was looking up some questions and kind of getting an idea of some book club discussions for this book, one of the questions that was popping up a lot was if she was even a likable character because she is a hunter and she does her whole uh, adventure and her whole it ends up being a love story. Like, that is all, it's all brought on from her killing this fairy mm -hmm. without a second thought, really. And so I thought it was interesting because that could very easily make her a not very likable character and kind of turn her into an anti-hero rather than a traditional protagonist. But, like, don't, in the this book, don't the humans not like the fae? Like, they think they're dangerous and all these things? Like, yes. she didn't know that, that the wolf was a fae because she was just like, oh, like, you're attacking me, you're doing whatever the wolf was doing. Sort of. So she does, um, this is told through first person, so you are in her head the whole time. And she does register that it's probably one of the fae because this wolf is so much larger than mm -hmm. regular wolves are. Um, and she kind of has this moment of, it's not attacking me, should I leave it? And then she doesn't, she kills it anyway, which I'm not saying that this is a bad thing, but I just, from an outside perspective, if someone is against hunting or if that was hurtful to someone reading it, she could very easily not be a very likable character. So I oh, did think yeah. it was interesting that promises and loyalty and her word were so big for her because that did like you said make her much more likable i thought it yeah it gave her a quality that i feel like so many people in the outside world that could find themselves reading this book so many people would want to emulate yeah so. i can see that I mean, like, I can see what you're saying about, like, if someone was against hunting or whatever and saw that, I can totally see how that would to make her an anti-hero instead. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, if she's promising to take care of her family and that's how she would take care of them, yeah, she's still keeping her word even though she might be, like, second-guessing what she should do versus what she has to do, you know? And once she's living with Tamlin as well, one of her big things is at the beginning is, well, I need to find a way to escape and get back because mm -hmm. I need to take care of my family. It wasn't because I don't want to be living in Prithia, and it wasn't because I don't know this person and don't want to live with him. Mm -hmm. It wasn't because I am worried for myself living here. 
it was because she was concerned that no one was taking care of her family and that they wouldn't be able to make it in their current situation without her. Mm -hmm. And then she has this whole kind of internal struggle when Tamlin tells her, like, I wouldn't have taken your family's only source of food and only source of income without taking care of that and without replacing it. Yeah. And tells her that her family is well taken care of and is fed and is, uh, you know, has this good life without her right now. And she kind of has this internal struggle of, do I still try and escape and go back so that I'm still the one keeping my promise? Mm-hmm. Or is me staying here more keeping in line with promise. keeping my promise to yeah. my mom? Yeah. Because I was thinking, like, isn't she, like, threatened to, like, if she goes back or something, something happens? I don't remember. Like, she uh, can't basically, go back because if of something. she goes back, she's told that her family won't be taken care of anymore. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, it, it's if supposed she goes to come back, off as mean, but it's kind of it makes sense because then she could take care of them and would not need Tamlin to take care of them anymore. So Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be like a threat, but also it kind of made sense to me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like she'll still be able to take care of them, just not as well as you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I thought that was really interesting. Kind of the battle inside of her of do I still go or do I, you know, stay here because they're being taken care of better than I could take care of them. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other thoughts or anything like that before we go more into the spoiler side of the book? No, I don't think so. I like have thoughts, but they're based on the other books and I can't say anything. <laughs> when I, I first like I read prepared this book, and then it was all of it was all the sequels. Yeah. Like I really liked this book when I first read it and I was totally for like Tamlin and Farah. Totally like, oh my god, yay. And the then I got the second to book. Love stories. Yeah. And then you keep reading and it's just like, well, now that I know this, <laughs> what do I do? And I no longer like their love story. So. <laughs> wow. Is it this? Okay, so uh, spoiler warning is officially in effect here. Um, isn't there like a love triangle? Like, is she going to be with Tamlin or with uh, Reese? Is that a thing? She- I, th- I think I've heard that from people. Yeah, because like when you get into the second book, Recent, Rysand, I like Rysand. 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 <laughs> this, it'll probably end up being our cold open because it was very funny. <laughs> basically, the full form of his name, I can't stop reading as Rysand in my head, but I know that shortened it's Reese, and so I was like, Reese, it's Rysand. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, like, when you read into the second book, you start seeing more into, like, Tamlin's and Feyre's relationship. And mm-hmm. then there's this new relationship with Reese, And then you just kind of end up changing your perspective because of this new relationship. <laughs> Love that. We've got a real uh, Elena and Stefan versus Elena and uh, Damien thing going on here. 
I actually know what show you're referring to. I see that. So. hate how much Aren't I love that show. It's so trashy, but it's I love it good, so though. much. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who does not know, that's Vampire Diaries, which I wholeheartedly blame my friend Katie for making me watch. But it's so good. Um, and they're all so hot. Like, it's... I just want to watch it because all of the people are so beautiful. Okay, but between Stefan and Damien, which one? I mean, obviously Damien. Obviously. <laughs> I would be on Stefan. Oh, are you a Stefan? <laughs> See, but again, I feel like that's kind of uh, Team Edward or Team Jacob as far as like Twilight, where one is more the bad boy uh, of the trio, and one is like, I'm the uh, classic romantic and blah blah blah. I, I feel like basically all love triangles kind of fit into those categories. Where and that's just like the good guy or the bad guy, and they always pick the bad one. Well, not However, always. However, well, okay, most of the time. However, when you read the second book, you will understand because okay. it's a okay. different dynamic. <laughs> I really want to try and read it before the new book comes out, because then if I've read two of the, like, three and a half that are already published, I can be like, okay, but Nick, I need the new one now. And then he won't judge me quite as hard. Um, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> spoilers for this book now instead of for the rest of the series. Basically, and I'm going to try and keep this explanation as short as I can. It'll probably get a little bit long-winded. And I'll probably have to stop to like clear my throat or have a sip of wine or something in between. But basically, uh, the big storm or the big shadow that the back cover talks about is a woman named Amarantha and she basically is taking over all of Prithian which is the human land that she was living in before but also has the spring court the autumn court the night court you know all of that has all of these lands and she's kind of taking it over uh, and she has cursed Spring Court and Tamlin because she's in love with him or just really wants to sleep with him. And so they've been fighting it for a long time. And again, kind of Beauty and the Beast, you find out about two-thirds to three-quarters of the way through the book that if Tamlin hadn't sent Feyre away back to her family for her own good, she could have broken the spell uh, mm -hmm. by telling him that she loves him and meaning it with her whole heart or something. And you find out that the curse specifically says that there has to be a girl or a young woman who willingly and knowingly killed a fairy. And I think the quote is like, with hate in their heart. So it had to be someone mm -hmm. who hated fairies and knowingly killed one, who was then forced to live with Tamlin, and then fell in love with him, and then proclaimed her undying love with her whole heart, or something. So it's, like, mm -hmm. a very specific curse. But Which is weird. It's, yeah, that was the one moment that I almost was like, because mm, it was just, it was very specific. But you kind of find out that Tamlin was creating the situation for this to happen. Like, his 
the reason his court is so empty is that the members of his court for the last 50 years have been going out disguised as wolves waiting for a young woman to kill them basically and yeah it's a lot um and they had been doing it willingly like i don't want to say he's forcing these people to go out necessarily but yeah so they had been trying to get this exact thing to happen for you know 50 years very very long time trying to find someone who could break this super weirdly specific curse But anyway, when she goes back to her family and Tamlin sends her away, she goes back again and is looking for him and is trying to, like, save the day. So she goes to the night court where she knows that he and the rest of spring court are being held captive by this woman, Amarantha. She gets captured immediately because she's human and, like, doesn't... She can't see all of the fairies and can't hear as well as they do. So, obviously, she gets captured and taken to the dungeon, like, immediately. But, <laughs> but Amarantha makes a deal with her. And it's basically like, I will kill you now, or I will potentially kill you later. Mm-hmm, pretty much. And... So she, this is when it goes, it shifts from Beauty and the Beast to Hercules, the legend of Hercules here for a little bit, where she has to pass three tests that Amarantha is going to set for her. Um, And she won't know what they are. And in the meantime, she has to be in the dungeon and she's dying, basically. And she has to pass these tests or she can solve the riddle which will set them all free immediately, uh, which is the riddle that I read earlier. And so she goes through all of these tests. The first one, she has to hunt, like, a big worm-type thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really creepy-sounding, but it's basically a giant worm. And she does. And then the second one is uh, she and Lucienne also randomly down there and it's never quite explained why um but amarantha doesn't like him basically uh they are going to be crushed by a spiked ceiling that is lowering and but she has to read this also kind of riddle and but she's like just she can't read right yeah so she has to read the riddle on the wall and flip the correct lever to save them, and she can't read. And so Reese kind of cheats and helps with this one. But she passes that one. And then the third one is she has to um, stab three innocents, so three innocent fairies, in the heart. And if she does that, they're supposedly free. And she does end up doing that. One of them is Tamlin, which is a dirty, rotten trick. Um, but apparently part of his curse is he also has a heart of stone, and so she knows that he can't die. I don't know. I wish that was explained a little bit more. Uh, but basically, then she also solves the riddle because Amarantha, even though she passed the tests, Amarantha was like, I'll let them go in my own time. Uh, I didn't specify a time frame, so blah, blah, blah. And she solves the riddle, she dies, 
And then all of the high lords of the different courts bring her back to life as a high fae, which is like the nobility of the fairies. And it's beautiful, and I was very emotional. Um, you guys have any emotions with books? I do. I'm just I'm a very emotional person. Uh, but yeah, it did. It got me. I was sitting on the couch with Nick, and I was like tearing up a little bit, and he looks over like, you good? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm good. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that is the end of the book. That is basically all that happens. Um, other than after the first task, she's so injured and her arm is so infected that she is dying, basically, of infection and of fever. And Rysand comes to her in the dungeons and is basically like, I will heal all of your wounds and get you ready for the second task, but you have to kind of belong to me in a sense, which is gross, but um, he's like, you have to spend one week of every month for the rest of your life with me in the night court. So that also happens. It's kind of important. Um, it is important. <laughs> So what were your thoughts on all of that? Did you like the ending uh, when you read it? Would you want to be one of the high fae? What were your thoughts? I did like the ending. I thought the ending was really good. Um, because it didn't leave like a super big like cliffhanger, you know? Yeah. I don't like it when books leave super big cliffhangers. Because I'm just like, I need the next one. Yeah. Um... But if I were to live in that world, I would totally want to be a high fae. That's cool. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, if only partially because they look human, but just pretty. Really so. pretty. <laughs> so that's that helps. A lot of the other fairies <laughs> and you uh, get magic do not too, look though. human. Yeah, and they're magical, which is just heckin' delightful. Plus, um, like the different courts that they describe, I think yeah. sound awesome. Except for I winter court, travel. I wouldn't want to be there. No, it'd be too cold. Right. Yeah, but overall, I think it's a pretty sweet gig, and so she is also now immortal, and gets to, at least at the end of this book, she goes back to Spring Court to live the rest of her life happily ever after with uh, Tamlin. And so one uh, of the other questions that I had written down is kind of just a philosophical quandary, which is the trolley problem. Are you, like, familiar with the trolley problem? I mean, I'm sure you are, but, like, the name of it. It's basically, would you, if a trolley was going and it was going at, like, a fork in the road and it was going to hit someone either way, would you save one person who was your best friend or, like, a family member or whatever um, who's on one track, or would you save a group of, like, ten people that you don't know that's on the other track? So it's what just... What kind of stupid problem is that? <laughs> philosophy is rough, man. It's the worst. Uh, but basically, that is, like, a problem and a quandary that people spend years talking about and discussing. And with this last of her three 
trials that Amarantha sets for her, it's very much the trolley problem, where she can stab these three innocent fairies, who at the time she doesn't know that Tamlin is one of them, and she doesn't know anything about them. She can stab the three of them in the heart, and potentially save all of Springcourt and Tamlin and all of this, or she can not do that and basically stab herself or just fail the uh, the test and Amarantha will kill her anyway. But she could choose not to kill these three people and most likely kind of leave Tamlin and the Spring Court to Amarantha's rule. So I thought that was interesting. It's just something that you see so much in books and movies and TV shows. The Good Place literally had a full episode about the trolley problem. For all of the trials leading up to this one, all of the fairies in the court and that are kind of the spectators for this are all cheering and they're having a great time. They're betting for or against Feyre. Like, it's... They make a sports arena out of it, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, they're all just dead silent. and You can hear crying in the stands. And the first of the three people is, like, begging for his life. And it was so heartbreaking. And it was just... It was really hard. I... I did not know what I would what I would do for that. You'd like to think that you would have the strength to like the few for the many type thing and like save mm-hmm. save the kingdom and save she ends up saving all of Prithian basically because they are able to get rid of Amarantha, but I don't know. I don't I don't know that I could do it. Did you like the book? Like, if you were to rate it between, like, top 5, top 10, top 15, which one would it be? Of, like, forever or of, like, the year? Like, between 2020 and 2021. All your reads from last year to this year. I mean, I think it's going to be very hard to beat this one as a January favorite. I do a, like, a bracket of my Mm -hmm. favorite books for the year. And so I think it's going to be really hard to beat this one as far Yay! as the January book. Yay! Even we though January's see. not even halfway over? Yeah, no, it's only the 12th when we're recording this. Um, but yeah, we'll see. What about you? Was it one of your top books when you first read it? Yeah, I think when I did my reel for like my top 15 reads... I put Akotar as one of them. I actually had quite a few fantasy that I added into it, but I really liked the book. I liked the series. I didn't know that that the second and third books were so long because I read them on my Kindle instead. And when I got them in person, I was just like, holy crap, this book is really big. But I finished it in like a day. Like this one's pretty thick, but I want to say the other ones are like here. (laughs) Yeah, there's like a couple hundred more pages on it, I think. Yeah. So... That's part of why I'm like, I'm not positive I'll be able to read the next one before the new book comes out with all of the other things I'm needing to read, but I'm hoping to. It's real, it's real good. I know, I'm hooked. Me too. 
You need to so that we can discuss this again, but with the second book. Because you need the second book so I can tell you more thoughts about this book. Because <laughs> like I can't a bonus say everything. Of the second book. But like, Jenna has finally read this book. Now let's hear Sabrina's real thoughts about Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could do that. We could do a bonus episode. Um, like, I really like, I really like this book. And when I first read it, it was, like, one of the better fantasy reads that I've read. But then when you get, like, further into the series, you're no longer rooting for Tamlin and Feyre because of sure. how he becomes, like, further on. And then you learn more information. You learn a lot more about Reese and all these things. And um, it makes you rethink your thoughts <laughs> for the first book. <laughs> You might love this one, and you might love their dynamic, but once you keep reading, it's like, why did I root for them in the first place? I don't understand my thought. She does a really good job of, like, using Tamlin as the savior for Feyre, and, like, him being her, like, knight in shining armor. Here's this super handsome, rich dude who owns his own court. Like, let me woo her so that she loves me and all these things and then you get to the second book and, like, <laughs> and he's oh, having a really hard time wooing her at first which is very funny yeah at one point, in the very beginning she comes down after like the servants give her a bath and uh put her in new clothes and stuff and he's like your hair looks clean and she's <laughs> like thanks guy <laughs> like he has no idea how very to like flatter her or flirt with her or just be like I like you yeah it was very funny to me um and then the last like big talking point that I wanted to touch on again is kind of it's not necessarily philosophy but the idea of nature versus nurture and like how you go beyond and how you react to the situations that you're put in. Um, so nature versus nurture is something that a lot of the time is used when talking about like serial killers or something like, were they born that way? Was there something inherently wrong or missing in them? Or was it kind of based off of how they were raised and family relationships and kind of how they form the characters are a huge thing in this book for just about every character that you really learn anything about. That's a big part of. So we have already talked about Feyre's loyalty and her uh, dependence on her word and that kind of stemming from the promise that she made to her mom. And then Tamlin is very kind to her and you do again kind of learn that it's all orchestrated to be a part of this curse and trying to lift the curse but just in general he's you know befriending her he's saving her he's doing all these things and he's uh trying to be very kind and that's kind of stemming from the cruelty of his father who was the high lord before him uh, and who kept a lot of human slaves and was just really terrible. And then... Uh, Ooh, you know more about this later in the series, too. Just very excited. <laughs> um, and even Amarantha's 
rule where she's so terrible and she's, you know, so vicious and she's trying to take over Prithian is stemming from her sister's murder. Uh, she, her sister had, during this big battle that we didn't even touch on, but basically a war between the Fae and the humans, like, centuries ago, um, mm -hmm. her sister had fallen in love with a human general or something, someone fighting on the other side. And he later, it turns out, had just been using her for information and kills her. And it's really rough. And that leads Amarantha to stop fighting on her side of the war and to seek revenge and to torture him. And that's kind of what leads to this you know, overthrow and taking over of Prithian. And even Lucien talks about how he had, you know, fallen in love with this woman who was deemed unfit and was then killed by his family. And so family ties and how they kind of form the characters are just a huge part of this story. And I was kind of wondering your thoughts on that. And if you like, do you think that someone's family and their family situation dictate how they turn out? Like, who they grow up to be or whatever? Or do you think that's more how they react to those situations? I feel like, with all the books that I've read, <laughs> that with how your family, like, acts and stuff that doesn't mean that that's how you'll also turn out you know like you have a say in your actions and reactions if you really try hard enough so just because like you had a father that was violent and you were surrounded by violence like yeah that might be what you know but if you meet someone where that's not something that they're familiar with then you know that there's something a different reaction that you could have and you could always learn that you, you reaction, know that there's a different know? way to be yeah yeah and if you're not if you aren't interested in knowing about this new reaction then that's on you for not wanting to know more that's not how you were um brought up that you making a conscious decision to not care about that other way you know yeah absolutely i mean that's how i feel too i think that someone's childhood or their family situation can absolutely uh, contribute to who they become as an adult, good ways or bad. You know, mm -hmm. a, a child who is beaten or is abused in some way could very easily from that grow up to be a serial killer or in good ways as well. I grew up with a very close uh, family household for the most part. And so that's something that I looked for in a partner and something that I want to have in a family moving forward. So I think that goes both ways, but I definitely agree that it is, I don't believe that anybody is born evil and I don't believe anybody is born good. And I don't think you, like, that... it's based on your actions as you grow. Yeah. Like if you're a serial killer, it's not just your actions, it's also like your brain and how it was developed but like 
if we're taking the serial killer like out of the picture, it's really based on your actions and how you yeah. react to the world around you. And, and I don't think it's all about how you're taught either. I think that that can be part of it, but I think, like you said, it is how you react to those situations um, mm-hmm. and how you are able to kind of turn from them if you choose to. And again, there are some uh, situations where there's mental health standing in the way. There's, you know, other things that I'm not even bringing into this that totally change that. But as far as just the everyday, a completely healthy person, I think that it's definitely your reactions to things. Yeah, because if you grew up in an environment where that's the only reaction you ever see... How are you going to know to change or know that there's even a different way to like react to something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was interesting as I was reading it, just like seeing how much that was a recurring uh, storyline and like backstory point for the characters was Mm -hmm. that family connection. I feel like family's very, like, whether you choose the family or, like, you're born into a family, like, in these types of books, it's, like, a main focal point for, like, fantasy. It's, mm-hmm. like, either you're choosing your family and that's who you're loyal to, or you have a family that you actually like and that's who you're loyal to. Sure. And I love Chosen Family, just in general, but also as, like, a storyline, a plot point. Mm-hmm. I just... I like the idea of people being able to say, I don't love the situation I was born into, so I'm going to find my own. It's just, it's very, it's very sweet, and it always feels very healthy and very, like, self-care. Finding a family that is good for you. I don't know. I love that. (sighs) But anyway, super long-winded. Those were all my thoughts, basically. Did you have anything that we didn't touch on? I don't think so. Trying to remember which ones are book one and which ones are book uh-huh. two. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, then I suppose I will go ahead and start signing us off. So I will try to have my full review and blog post for this book up by the time this episode goes up. If it is, I will link it in the description box below. If it isn't, I will add it after the fact and uh, (laughs) add it later. (laughs) But we'll see. I'm going to try. And like last time, all of Sabrina's social media information will also be in the description. But would you like to tell them where they can follow you? Traveling the pages, but there's periods between the words. (laughs) You can see my shenanigans. (laughs) There are lots of shenanigans. And your main book club is coming back this next month as well. Oh, yeah, literally shelved. We're starting it back up and revamp. Well, I'm revamping the whole thing because eight to ten genres a month is a lot. (laughs) It was hella impressive, but I'm not sure how you didn't lose your mind. That's why we're switching it. And (laughs) we're going to be doing like two to three genres a month instead. That way, like, um, the hosts get a break, the mods get a break, and um, 
it gives us more chance to really like read the book instead of joining like 10 buddy reads and only reading one or zero yeah. or half or whatever. That so. is a problem that I had every single month. I would join so many and then I would end up reading like two thirds of the books and I'm like, That's <laughs> it's not enough. It's hard to say no when you have a buddy read, but then it's like, oh, I forgot. I'm that person. I'll be like, sure, I'll join your buddy read and then I'll forget. <laughs> yeah that's part of why my uh tbr page in my journal always looks so crazy because i have to like list yeah, all so of books. the things well it's because i like to be able to uh mood read as much as i can while still being like but it was on my it was on my reading list so i'm still being good you know mm -hmm. it it gives me a lot of leeway that but makes yeah, sense. So i like that so go give her a follow. Again, like I said a minute ago, they will be in the description box. She's lovely, uh, and hopefully maybe we can sneak her back on with our friend Caitlin for an episode down the road, and we can talk about maybe books two and three. I think that'd be fun, depending on when Spoiler, I read Spoiler! I did not like the novella, so, you know. Okay, well, we won't make you read and discuss that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I didn't like it. <laughs> no, well, that's not making me excited to get there. It's just because I don't like her sister. Okay, oh, I was like it Nesta. Nesta. Yeah, oh, I don't. I and like, like we didn't even touch on her family in this episode. We just like, but it's like a little filler novel, I guess you know. And so like you get a little bit of like Nesta's perspective, and then you get Feyre and all these things, and like the that comes out in February focuses mainly on Nesta and Cassian and like Azrael and Elaine I think and I'm just like, mostly why? characters we haven't met yet in this book yeah and but. I'm just like why <laughs> I just want Feyre why do you have to change I don't understand that's so, fair yeah. yeah that's fair sorry friend <laughs> well we won't I'm make so you discuss for that the book. on the podcast then okay I mean, you can. I just feel like I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. Oh, boy. Well, then maybe we will, because you'll actually, like, have strong opinions to talk about. Yeah, I mean, like, my opinions don't really differ from everyone else's for the other books. I'm just like, I like it. But then the novella, I'm just like, eh, like, it's, mm, I could, it's fine. You could probably read first, second, and third book, skip the novella, and go right into the fourth book and not be confused. Just saying. Like, no need to read it, you know? <laughs> all right well on that note i'm going to just finish wrapping us up here you can email us anytime at the same page pod at gmail.com if you have any books you think i should read for the podcast any questions collaboration requests or if you've read any of our upcoming books once we've announced them and you have any uh, favorite parts, any book club discussion questions, anything that you'd like to have included in the discussion, please send us an email. I would love for you guys to be a part of the discussion with me and with my guests. Uh, if you want to reach out to me specifically, you can find my blog with all of my reviews and all of my blog tours, things like that, on tacklingtbr.home.blog and over on Instagram at tackling underscore TBR. And as for the podcast, you can find and connect with us on Instagram at the same page podcast, 
on Twitter at the same page pod. And you can find us on both Facebook and YouTube just by searching for the same page podcast. And then as always, y'all are going to get tired of hearing this. If you are liking what you're hearing when you're listening to the show, it would mean a lot if you decided to go to Apple Podcasts or uh, Amazon Music, wherever it is you're listening, and leaving a positive rating, uh, subscribing, and even leaving your thoughts in a review. It really only takes a couple minutes, but it does wonders to help get small shows like this one introduced to more bookish folks. And with that, I will have a new guest on next week. So thank you for coming and joining me on the podcast. You're welcome. I enjoyed having you, even though I did apparently bully you into it. But it was a nice kind of bullying. <laughs> like a loving bully. Like, please come on my podcast because I like you. <laughs> it's true. I did probably say those exact words. Probably. <laughs> probably. I don't know. Jury's out. All right, well, that is it, and thank you again, and everyone else, I will see you all next week.